Welcome to the first ever episode of The Week in Iceland at the Library, coming from Kringlusap in Reykjavik. Uh, it's the 9th of September and I'm joined by a small audience and we're going to discuss what happened over the last week in Iceland, specifically through the lens of the programme The Week in Iceland. So what we're going to do, we're going to play the programme throughout with frequent pauses for discussion. So let's get started. Well, I think the most discussed new news new story of last week was Perfect. probably Mike Pence's oh, visit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say, I would, I would I say mean, so. Uh, but like you say, it was a very short visit, and but we were anticipating it for 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 many weeks and how the reaction would be and. In many ways, we the the news that we that we heard focused mainly on the disruption on on the on traffic on the, the days that he was here and the very very intensive security measures that were taken that were I mean not familiar a bit unfamiliar to us. On the subject of whether the visit was positive for Iceland, regardless of what we think about Mike Pence as an individual. Was do you think it was a it showed off Iceland well? Oh, well, I think that whenever there are contacts between companies, it's always well. And uh, given that we had uh, like Angela Merkel at the previous week, and now this American vice president, that means that something's going on, and people are paying attention to Iceland, and Iceland is involved in whatever is going on in the world. So I think. Well, I admit I don't know much about what's uh, what's exactly go- going on here, but on the whole, it seems like quite positive. I don't have statistical research, but um, the reason why I moved here from America is because it's the most peaceful place in the world in my book. So, I would say that Americans are welcomed with open arms, just as I have been. But should they be bringing their snipers? Yeah, unfortunately, whenever a high official from U.S. visits, they always bring, sorry, yeah, they always bring security and snipers wherever they go. I mean, it's probably the first time for Iceland, so I understand why people are upset, but unfortunately, that goes with the deal. Yeah, there's always going to be high security around these visits. Um, how does this compare to Angela Merkel a few weeks ago, and we've got the president of India today? We're not hearing the same stories from that, are we? Did they close down the traffic in the same way? Didn't think so. But what about, like, because previous presidents of America have visited Iceland before and it hasn't been this much of a shutdown in Reykjavik Mm -hmm. for those. So it's just, and he is a vice president. Take from that what you will. Well, I don't know how far in advance these visitations are planned, but considering the recent tragic events in Texas, I think we're just going to be high security no matter what, and I think that's important anywhere we go. I don't think any U.S. president or vice president have visited Iceland since 9-11, for example, and obviously that was the big changing moment for security. Uh, And what I really liked about people here, and of course there was frustration and that people were irritated, but they are mostly amused at what was going on, and all this traffic, was not good, but overall, just people were making fun of this visit, and uh, that was uh, so that was positive, I think. Yeah, there is a certain Icelandic sense of humor when it comes to big world politics. Should we carry on? Because he was in Ireland before he came here, and and seems to have offended quite a few people there as well. But of course, maybe that's what we hear most about. And I was reading just a short. Uh, 
discussion about the Pence and this, this catas catastrophic trip in on CNN, I think it was. Mm. And well, the only mention that his trip to Iceland got was the Ireland was disastrous, but the, the trip to Iceland was the the pride flags that were flown, the rainbow flags that were flown to. So mm. I don't yeah. think Mike Pence's visit to Iceland was a big news story anywhere else than here. Uh, even within Iceland, what do we know about what happened during his visit? The actual substance of their of their discussion. Do we? Didn't I didn't really get much of an inkling. It was kind of like a like a watching of like a some sort of drama that just set up the plot, but then the plot was non-existent because you, we didn't get any information about what happened. Because I mean, do we expect expect either? Katrin or Pence to kind of back down on their side. I doubt it. So not over the course of one afternoon. Exactly. <laughs> like, what was it ever going to accomplish? If I had to venture a guess, I would say you know, <clears throat> Iceland is one of the leaders in green energy, and that's also another reason why I moved here from America. So I would venture a guess that there was a little bit of climate change talk happening. Um, and does Pence believe that? Like, does he believe climate talk? Like, climate change is real. <clears throat> well, since he's operating under the the Trump, you know, under him, I would. I'm not quite sure. I have no facts on that. But I would venture a guess that's probably one of the lead discussions. But do we have any research to back that up for facts? Do you know what happened? Uh, well, my understanding was it was all security issues, and I think. Pence came to demonstrate to other Arctic powers like Russia and China that the U.S. is not giving up the Arctic, and they're probably discussing the the base in Kavlovik. Um What sort of he he frequently mentions the threat from China and Russia. Um, what sort of threat is this? Oh, yeah, that's big <laughs> politics. <laughs> I wouldn't go deep into it. <laughs> I. I really don't know. They, there are there's lots of discussion about uh, Russia and China being threat to whatever. Like people in Russia don't believe that really. Uh, probably the same for China. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, the tension in the world. It's not really a very good thing, and that disappoints me. And I think many people are frustrated about that. And but. I don't know. I don't think that was the main point of discussion between America and Iceland this time. Okay. No, he was also talking about trade, I believe, and, and yeah. We don't talk about the Canadian and Danish threat very much, do we? <laughs> <laughs> okay, carry on. For freedom of speech, like some people said that this flying of the rainbow flags was in some way dis so disturbing for him. I don't think oh. that. I, the, I don't say, yeah. I, I don't think that was a uh, general opinion, no, but no. I saw it somewhere, yeah. and I think that's a very far-fetched argument. Particularly interesting about this is most of the organizations and individuals that were flying the rainbow flags for Pence's visit were private companies, mm -hmm. but the city of Reykjavik did as well. For me, this was, this was uh, not such a big surprise, because... Okay, here's a question. Um, is Reykjavik just on the rainbow flag bandwagon or is it a really central core issue to the city and its politics? Is that just because it's fashionable? 
No, I don't think so. And you know, that's really amazing for someone who have come from abroad as me. And uh, first day came, there was gay pride. And I really, I couldn't, but post all over the my Facebook page everywhere, this rainbow flag in Hrvimskirke. And that was really amazing. And people are, and, and then this story about rain, uh, rainbow flags um, when um, uh, Mark Pence visited, and it shows it shows respect it shows humor it shows the strength and uh, whatever the the courage of people just to go above all politics all big politics and just to show what they really think and it was not only companies it was one it, and they really believed what they did and that's really amazing yeah i think it was genuine because i think this is one of the most accepting places i've ever been or lived so I think they were making a statement, not just jumping on the bandwagon. This also reminds me of the, of the story of the 25 refugees from, from Africa mm. who have been, been welcomed. I mean, they're refugees like other refugees, but maybe more so in need of an accepting place. Because not only are they maybe coming from countries where it's illegal to be, like it's a human right to love who you love. And it's just, it's despicable to force people out of their homes. So if we can accept those people, I think we should definitely do that. It's a good thing to take in any refugees that they take in. Mm. But it, it's of course very, like, it's an ethical dilemma. Like, who do you help? Like, who do you help when so many people are in need of help? Mm-hmm. So. And I would say to add to that, um, I've just <coughs> had spoken with some passerbys who are native to Iceland recently, and they're part of the 4,000 people who lost their jobs from WoW air collapsing, and they're Iceland natives, and from what they've told me, I've spoken with about 10 who have lost their jobs and their livelihood. Like, Iceland's not doing the best to um, help them. They're actually... Iceland has been doing less to help them than some of these political refugees that we're bringing in, which I agree with bringing every person of all type, you know. I love everybody and I believe in that. But first and foremost, keep, keep our locals safe first, I would say. Before I came here, I read a lot on the news about refugees being deported and so I guess that happens quite often here and it is an issue and so that's it might seem kind of double standards than uh, LGBT for uh, people are kept here and uh, all other refugees are sent back and uh, so that's probably hard to decide whether it's just an additional plus or additional criteria why people should be kept because they're LGBT or something. That might not be always fair. But it's good that they're welcome, that they're welcome here because really they don't have many places to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point that there's so many refugees that turn up on their own that get turned away and then the country goes out and deliberately brings in other ones. Um, it's a com- I'm not saying what's right or wrong, but it's an interesting issue. I would say regardless of background, we all deserve safety. So obviously we should be inviting all people in um, from all over the world um, because love is love, essentially. I just think that from like 
a responsible stance. It behooves a country taking in immigrants to be sure that immigrants have like an agenda to better society, like a clear way that they might come in and become educated if they have not had the chance before, or um, just give us some new thought, new ways of thinking that we haven't thought before. Uh, I think that that bodes well in Utlendingsdorfman office. That's what I, what I tell immigrants when I meet them, you know. Type out a summary of what it is you really want to bring to the table to better our future generations. But the country also has to kind of give immigrants the voice and the ways to better the society, not just shut them out and not allow them to work right. for that, that to happen. And that might also, I have a psychology background, a master's, and for that to work, I believe that post-trauma therapy has to happen first for a lot of people who come from war torn places. They are literally operating on survival mode, high adrenaline, um, and then forced into these habitats to like live alone, <laughs> you know. So that's number one. But I say in Icelandic, Velkman Alt. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I've been used to whales. But this has been a summer of whales. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, it has. has been Definitely. in many ways. And we, we, we've been talking to experts during the summer, and they've been rather reluctant to oh. say that this is quite extraordinary. I mean, but then, then they keep piling on. And mm -hmm. I think this last one was a, a, a huge one, really. So The biggest, yeah. I think. I think it was the biggest. The, yeah. Like, it feels apocalyptic. To someone that's lived in Iceland their whole life, this feels apocalyptic. The whales? The amount of whales. They're trying to tell us something. We're dying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely, I feel like we must have done something wrong for this to be happen now. Well, I remember when <laughs> one of the pods uh, beached themselves earlier this summer, uh, it was discovered by um, a helicopter trip so I've wondered if this has happened before, but we just never knew about it. But I'm sure climate change and shipping is also contributing. And I think the big problem is like you with your psychological background, I think should know. It's, it's, a, it's psychological because we don't really know why it all happens. And so there is no like obvious reason. It's not climate, it's not like the dirty water it's it's just inexplicable it could be anything but we don't know why it happens that so many yeah, people talking so it, it feels scary and uh, they are they're big animals and uh, whatever when someone when, when a living being wants to die it's always scary maybe they don't want to die we don't know that yeah but it just feels like one dead whale, that's a big thing. But 30, 50, 60 dead whales on a beach. Like it just, it reminds me, like I I play computer games and there was this one, uh, what's it called? The Life is Strange. In the first, in the first <laughs> game, have you played that? Yeah. Yeah, in the first game, someone fucks up the world so bad by kind of going back and changing the past so that whales keep like kind of swimming up into the shore and dying like in masses and it just keeps reminding me of that so it's it's triggering something in my head uh, yeah i mean we don't know what's going on 
One of the explanations is that they've changed their food and now they're eating more mackerel and that they swim so quickly and close to the shore that they just catch them out. But, you know, no one can agree on that. Maybe it's military sonar, maybe it's... And that's the thing, we don't know. That's why it's scary. Whale-watching trips, like Mm. someone's been blaming it on that, I read somewhere. Mm. So... But then, yeah, who knows? They do seem to be happening not only where whale watching happens, though. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, also fishing boats, they use sonar, too, to, to track the fish. This, is, this has been happening for many years, so why now? Mm. Yeah, I mean, b- whales beach every summer, that's not news. But it's just the numbers, isn't it? It's okay, should we carry on? Then it was a positive experience, at least for me, this weekend, to to help release some of the puffins. I mean, we look at this as kind of a light and fluffy news story, uh, excuse the pun. (laughs) Yeah. But really, it's Mm -hmm. significant because the puffin population has crashed since 2000. Yes. So, yeah, has anyone here rescued any puffins before, ever? I don't know. Puffin watching on a boat. In the Western Islands? No, here... I forgot the name of the small island. They call it Puffin Island. Yeah, Lunde. Yeah, yeah. Lunde. No, I haven't been, but it was kind of, it was the thing you learn about in school as a kid in Iceland. Like you learn about how, there were, I think there was, must have been like a reading book that we read when I was a kid that was about the kind of how they help the Lunde because Bestman Islands just gets overrun by these small like lunte, like ch- baby chicks, mm-hmm. and they're lost. And so the kids in of the islands kind of get boxes and kind of collect them in box and then go to the beach and kind of release them. Mm-hmm. So and it's such a kind of a lovely Icelandic tradition, but it's of course not been as happy for the past decade or so because of the dwindling amount of puffin chicks. So. It's like they're called pesia when they're this small. But it's extraordinarily big amount of kind of easy reading books for kids that are about Lindy. So. Sorry. Uh, have they allowed hunting while the population's declined? Because I know you can get it at restaurants downtown. No, I, I, I don't know about hunting, uh, but I just wanted to add that, that before moving, moving here, I spent a lot of time just coming to visit, just... I have 10 maybe years and actually the word puffin is the second of the Kaiser that you learn about Iceland and now I, I spend much time on this like tourists Facebook groups or website and it's always about can we see puffins there are there puffins in December November February whatever <laughs> so it's always there. and I have never had a chance to rescue them but since I'm here I love to experience everything so now I'll be trying to find a possibility to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm ashamed to say I've never been to the Western Islands, um, but there's good reason to do so. Has anyone heard, is there any potential scientific link between the puffins diet and the whales? This is so <laughs> many... <laughs> or am I scrambling here? <laughs> I reckon you might be scrambling. But there is a lot of change happening in the ocean, especially around Iceland. That's that's fair, isn't it? Yeah. It's fair. It's warming up. When someone's dying, someone should be born. <laughs> so then when we're losing whales, we have more puffins. So there's probably no link, but it's still 
something good. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> so next year, um, we're all going to have more money, according to <laughs> Bjarni Benedictson. If everything goes according to his plan, then the lowest earners will have an extra 10,000 kroner in their pocket per month. Um, is the, will things go according to his plan? Well, we have to see how the budget goes. I think mm. uh, when we had the, the Parliament approve the, the third energy package. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a modest income tax cut, will, will you notice that next year? Will it make any difference? Uh, well, my, my experience shows what whenever there is some, something good is happening for people in the economy, then uh, for the balance. On the other side, something bad happens. Like, uh, for example, like in my country, when the social security payouts, like retirement, uh, grows, everyone's happy, but then the inflation goes up. So it's all whenever... Like <laughs> there is like lower taxes here, something else will definitely get more expensive. So I'm new here, so I don't know exactly how it works, but I guess all the economies are more or less the same. Well, it's a familiar story, <laughs> don't you think? Well, I'm just worried more about government services if they're going to try to pay for this tax cut by cutting health care or raising university fees or something. Hopefully that won't happen. Then I'll be happy if I get an extra 10000 a month. There's been a lot of ta like talk about, and I read the roof story today. There's been a lot of talk about how much the kind of lowest paid people will, like how much it will increase for them, but there's been no mention of how much it will increase for the upper kind of tax brackets. Mm. So I think that might be interesting as well to kind of take into account kind of who it is that's putting through these changes and who it is that it's really serving, and what kind of change it will really make in the end. Are, are they actually talking here about the reasons for, the, for that? What in the economy prompted this uh, lowing in taxes? I, I just don't know. Uh, I believe this was part of the wage negotiations in the spring. The government got involved, I think, for the first time and agreed to lower taxes um, in exchange for not having quite as high of uh, increase in pay as the unions wanted. Yeah, I think that's true. And the unions are saying that this is like it's taken way too long and that it should have happened before the start of next year. I suppose that's a different story. But I love the point about everybody getting a bit of a tax cut. Where's the money coming from? And will services be cut? Who knows? Hopefully not. Well, we've got barely a minute or two left um, and two topics that are on the table. Ooh. We could just maybe have a word yeah. either about the Anyone new... Anyone want to comment on healthcare? Or are we all healthy and happy? I'll just say that I had a stomach infection and went to the emergency about six months ago, and I was placed in a hallway on a gurney, and I was fine. I was happy. I was thankful. I was saying thank you. You know, they're obviously underpaid there and working very hard, so thank you. But I do hope for improvements. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not their... It's both not the staff's fault but people should be angry about how it is currently. Like for elderly people, or just people that kind of generally can't handle this much kind of, what's it called? People that are seriously ill or maybe terminal, and just for, it's just, it feels so wrong to put, to make it a hassle to go to the doctor, because nobody wants to go to the doctor. 
the show's ending and we are also running out of time, so I'll just finish up. The new Justice Minister, I think it's quite, I mean, she is young, but she is not that young. Um, where is the boundary between experience and ability and age? How old is old enough to be a government minister? Uh, I mean, I don't think there's a minimum. I believe the Chancellor of Austria is 33, and she's 28, I believe, and has a you know, very qualified and good CV. So I think it probably is a bit of sexism involved as well. I think a younger, a young man would have less criticism. And But I agree with, um, oh, I can't remember her name, but I think the internal aspects of the Independence Party are more interesting than her age. Sorry, has there been criticism? I know people have been talking a lot about it, but has there been criticism of her age? From within her party. Oh, just in general, I think. Just in general, yeah. I mean, just seen things on Facebook. Uh, But, you know, they will uh, remember again how old she is if something happens. Her age will definitely be the main reason people will be explaining uh, whatever happens, because how it doesn't matter how old uh, this or that minister is, uh, there are always some reasons. It, it's not always about age, but when something happens with her, it's going it's to it's be that she's too young. That's true. <laughs> but the way she's been talked about in the media, and especially by her, kind of the people in her party, it's been the girl. Like, she's not even referred to as a woman. Like, there was someone, there was some talk of, I think it was Brynja Nielsen taking over her position as secretary for the party. And he he wouldn't take it because he wouldn't take over her job. Like, it was a personal kind of, it felt like an attack. Whereas, yeah, I don't think it would be, like, I don't think they would be referring to a 20-year-old man as boy in this context. And I do not think this would be a hassle if he was taking over a ma- like 20-year-old man's job as secretary. Mm. So mm, I would just say uh, I believe people gain rapport just on the basis of being able to offer a valid argument and that it's morally sound and it looks at both sides or multiple thousands of sides for that matter. And I think she does a relative, really, really good job of doing that. So, age aside. And also, aren't our, like, they're meant to be somewhat representative of the people of the country. If we're only going to allow people that are, like, in their 60s to rule the country, it won't be re- representative of the opinions of the people in the country. Uh, and I think that um, when people uh, talk about her being young, they talk not about experience, not about age. They talk about being wise. And it's like common understanding that wisdom comes with age. And to be a minister, a person needs to be wise. That's what I think most people think when they talk about her age and her being a little bit too young, whether she would, she might be too emotional to take the decisions or that's what they're thinking and uh, that that's absolutely unfair but i just understand <laughs> this is the same kind of congress that asked vetis fimpotdotter the same people that asked vetis fimpotdotter if she could serve as president with only one breast like this feels the same where like i don't agree with her politics but she i i don't see her as worse than anyone else in her, like in that position, better if anything. 
Oh, well, I just, two of her predecessors uh, had to resign. So uh, I wish her well. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Yeah. There we are, we're at the end. It's been a really good chat. Um, the week in Iceland at the library has got off to a great start. We'll be back doing this very same thing on the first Monday in October. I think it was the Monday the 7th of October. Um, you can register now on borgabokosap.is or through the Ruve English um, Facebook page. In the meantime, thank you so much for joining us and thank you to my guests. It's been a great time. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.